0: Woo! Amen. That must mean a lot of good things are going in the offering receptacle. <laughs> You're right. I'm trying to get every dime I can out of you. You're exactly. I'm going to redeem it for the kingdom. Amen. All right. You ready to study God's word? This is our last message in our series that I entitled Becoming the House of Prayer. And, uh, Next week, obviously, as was mentioned, I'm going to turn our attention to the cross and uh, to the resurrection, and we're going to spend some time talking about the whole reason we exist as Christians. And so we'll be doing that in April, but this is going to conclude really the first quarter of the year where we took Jesus' word seriously in Matthew chapter 6 when he began to instruct his disciples, and he started to say, when you fast. Begin to do this. And so we talked about fasting in January. And then in February, he said, when you give or when you do charitable things. And in February, we talked about faith because it takes faith to get God in our finances and to stretch and do some things in our giving. And then lastly, he said, when you pray. And so in the month of March, we have been talking about prayer. And and I'm believing that as we talked about all of these things, that it really is getting in your spirit. You know, a lot of times Christians are just receptacles of information. We're kind of like your computer at home. We just download amazing amounts of information and it never becomes applicable in our life. And, and my hope is, and my prayer has been that, number one, that our culture would be a culture of fasting. And secondly, that our culture would be a culture of giving and faith. And then lastly, our culture would be a culture of prayer. We we need, this is is who we need to be as a people. And Jesus taught us these things. And so we're going to wrap this up and uh, talk about prayer. Prayer is the vital, critical, non-negotiable discipline in our lives. It's the avenue of God's dealing in our life. We know that he has linked his dealings with us as a people. In many ways, it's connected to our prayer life. You know, right or wrong, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this morning. Right or wrong, if we were to advertise at the North Charleston Coliseum a Christian concert, of course, Charleston's a little bit funny about Christian events. Sometimes we don't support them probably like they need to be supported. But, but nonetheless, if we were to have a, a, a great Christian artist come in and everybody knew of this artist and we were to advertise it at the Coliseum, we would literally have thousands of people show up for that concert. But if we were to advertise a prayer meeting, are you following me? The response would not be the same. And that should begin to tell us something. And so my hope is, is that we're beginning to increase our burden and our zeal to pray uh, because it's, The only thing, it is the only thing that can begin to turn the direction of our nation around. It's the only thing that's going to uh, loose, I believe, the spirit of God to apprehend our city. And I believe it's going to be that vital part of getting us to our destiny. Folks, do you realize I I, I was listening to the radio and I heard on the radio for the first time. I had never heard this before in all of my years, even even as a minister of the gospel. I have never heard this before. For the first time, I heard on the radio people talking about a one-world currency to somehow stop the global recession. Think about a one-world currency. Do you understand how close we are to the end? I never thought in my... I really didn't. I mean, you know, I'd always heard Jesus was coming soon, and I, I believe of it concerning his eminent return but you know how that is you, you you believe it but yet you know certain things have to sort of fit together before that's going to happen i'm telling you we are exceedingly close to the coming of the lord because we're beginning to hear the sounds and the signs and if that be true then that means that just around the corner there is a global awakening that's about ready to take place i believe the word clearly teaches that there's going to be a worldwide revival that will take place and that i you know personally i want to be a part of that and that jesus isn't coming back for a weak anemic tail between its legs church that he's coming back for a bride that is without spot or wrinkle he's not coming back for a soiled bride he's not coming back for a bride that's been playing in the dirt and with the pigs and playing with the world he's coming back for a spotless bride i want to be a part of that bride And I'm telling you, it is just around the corner. And so it has caused me to be all the more uh, emphatic and zealous about what we need to be doing as Christian people. And so we want to talk about that as we conclude the the prayer series. And I've entitled the message or the lesson this morning, I've entitled it, Where Are the Watchmen? Where are the watchmen? The book of Isaiah brought your bibles with you with you turn to isaiah the guys are always good in the back to flash those verses overhead but it's always good to bring your bible to read it out of your bible to find it isaiah 62 and i'm going to read a number of verses here although i'm going to focus in on the last two verses isaiah 62 and we'll start reading with the very first verse if you found it say "I i got it all right very good prophet says, for Zion's sake, in fact, let me just say in the scripture, whenever you see in the Old Testament the word Zion, of course, Zion in those days referenced the hill. There was Mount Moriah and Mount Zion, and Jerusalem was in between those two great mountains. But when you get into New Testament understanding and when Zion shows up, Zion really refers to in our New Testament understanding as the church. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness. And again, Gentiles in Old Testament scripture would mean the lost. They would would reference the heathen in in the Jewish mentality as this was written. In In our mentality, it would reference the harvest. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings, your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land any more be termed desolate. But you shall be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And here are the verses we want to emphasize. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord do not keep silent. And give him no rest till he establishes until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. And we're talking about where are the watchmen. In the 1700s, these particular verses became uh, the vision verses for a group which we know to be now as the Moravians. Most of you have never heard of the Moravians. As a matter of fact, if you were to read most church history books, You would not find a lot written about the Moravians. They are one of the groups that I term as footnote people. That that God oftentimes wasn't moving through the most dominant religious expression of the era. But a lot of times he was moving through the people that you find in the footnotes. Sometimes God doesn't move in the movers and shakers of the world. Sometimes he doesn't move in the major denominations. Sometimes he doesn't move in what we consider to be mainline and acceptable. Sometimes he doesn't move in what's been established and has literally centuries of of veracity or credibility behind it. Sometimes for God to move, he has to pick a people out and you'll find them in the footnotes. And so that's why I like reading the footnotes in church history. Because you find really where the presence and the Spirit of the Lord is moving. And so these Moravians were footnote people. And these Moravians read these verses... And these became their vision verses for the community that they would set up. In fact, they believed as a group that they were called to missionary endeavors and that they were called to pray. Isn't it interesting that those people who want to do missions and who are called to pray are relatively left unknown. Some things never change. (laughs) You never hear much about missionaries. You always hear about the television preacher. You never hear about the prayers. You hear about the screamers. So it's amazing to me how God doesn't always use what we think he uses. But it's interesting that they named their group with a German name. In fact, their community had a German name to it that actually meant the Lord's watch. The Lord's watch. And what they did, these Moravians, were that they established a 24-7. Now hear me now. We're talking about every waking moment of the day, seven days a week, 365 days a year they established a prayer vigil now listen that lasted over 100 years is that not remarkable a hundred years of non-stop 24 7 praying the moravians now, it's interesting that the Moravians were never well-known in church history, but the Moravians were well-known to numbers of people all through church history. In fact, it was Peter Boller who was a Moravian missionary, who was the one who connected with John Wesley on a ship going back from Georgia to England, where Wesley was defeated and he was about ready to just quit the ministry. And he, he was an utter failure in his mission endeavors to Georgia, that first trip he took. And it was Peter Boller, this Moravian missionary, that looked at him and began to say, say, preach faith till you get it. And we don't know much about what happened after that point. We do know that Wesley went to England and on May the 24th, 1738 at 845 in the evening as he was walking down Aldersgate Street, he heard somebody reading from the book of Romans out a window and it was there Wesley would later write in his journals that his heart was strangely warmed. And it was at that moment that something clicked in Wesley and he became one of the most important figures in the awakening. I could go through the Wesley brothers. I could go through Whitfield. I could go through so many names that would be predominant names of ministries and how God worked with them and moved on them. But I have often thought, as I've looked back to that, as Bolaire made that connection with Wesley, if that Moravian missionary didn't go back to his little community after visiting with John Wesley. And he handed them a prayer request. And he said, folks, we've got to pray for this Anglican minister named Wesley. We've got to pray that God gets a hold of his heart. And there were some Moravians that were praying.
1: Amen.
0: And God got a hold of his heart. And some incredible things began to take place. But the question I have is, is, is for us today, where, where are the watchmen? Where are the Moravians? Where where are those that that have a a burden or, or have a commitment, at least, to begin to make prayer a part of their culture? Now, before we answer all of that, I just want to find out a little bit more about watchmen. You may be interested in them. And so let's talk just a moment about what are the watchmen? What are the watchmen? In Old Testament times, most cities were fortified by a wall of some sort. In fact, most cities, in fact, through the the Middle Ages, were fortified by, by walls. And the reason they had walls was that walls were there in order to keep invaders from coming in and attacking the city. And you'll even recall in Bible times, Nehemiah, when the Jews were released and they were going back to Jerusalem, and that Nehemiah had heard that the walls were in disrepair, that God gave Nehemiah a burden about reconstructing the walls again and uh and he had this urgency he had this burden to go back and repair it the people had no urgency about repairing the walls but nehemiah received this urgency and so god used nehemiah to go back to the jewish people and begin to instill in them the vision or instill in them the burden to once again reconstruct the walls even before they reconstructed their own homes he said we got to get the walls back up again in jerusalem and why was that? It's because a wall was, was both for practical uses as well as spiritual uses. As I mentioned, it kept enemies, it kept invaders from coming into your city. But spiritually, it also represented the boundaries of where the rule of God was recognized and established. You see, God always has a place where he establishes as his home. God does have an address. Now, I know some of you are saying, what do you mean? God's everywhere. He is omnipresent. You know just enough to know he's omnipresent. God can be anywhere and everywhere he wants to be. And that is true. He can be anywhere and everywhere. You cannot go any place that God is not. But listen to me. There are places that God shows up in his glory. There are places that God inhabits, not just visits, but he inhabits places that he dwells. And he says, this is my address. This is my home. This is where you can come and you can begin to sense my presence. You can begin to see my ways. You can begin to know my will. And the reason that wall had to be built around Jerusalem was because it was always God's heart and desire that Jerusalem would be the place that the world could begin to look to and they might not see God anywhere else in their life or in the world, but they could say, one thing I know, God is there. Are you with me? God is there. He moves in that place. He rules there in that city. And in order to maintain the security of the city, and in order to keep the testimony alive, what they would do is they would they would uh, solicit watchmen, and these watchmen were positioned high on the walls of the city, and they were to watch for the enemy. They were to watch for unusual signs. They were the ones who were to be the first alarm for any problems. They would literally sound an alarm for all to wake up and get ready if there was an army that was gathering or if there was an impending invasion or battle. As the watchmen would get on the walls, they could see in all directions. And depending on the kind of wall that was constructed, at times they would be able to walk around the walls. At other times they would have to walk up and down ladders all night long. And they would peer into the night to be sure that everything was normal. And that nothing was, you know, out of kilter, nothing was, was out of whack. And, and it could be argued that the watchman perhaps was the most cr- critical and important job in any city. But the truth is, it's the most overlooked job. Because is it not true that the vast majority of time, if, if there is no enemy, and enemies weren't attacking you every day, obviously, in fact, maybe enemies wouldn't attack you but sporadically, or maybe even just every once in a while. Is it not true that if there was nothing to report, it could easily become a job that was taken for granted? Nothing to report? Nothing going on. After a while, if you lived in the city, things have always been this way. You wouldn't think much about it. For instance, you never think much. I don't think of the police department. You probably never think much about the military. There are a lot of things we don't think much about until we need it. And when you need it, you sure enough want it to be there. Now, I believe that there are supposed to be New Testament watchmen. Now, I could say watch women, but would you allow me just to use the the, the masculine gender just for sake of expediency? I believe watchmen can be male or female. I believe that there are New Testament watchmen who serve a similar purpose spiritually in the church and for their city and for their nation. These watchmen are what we might call intercessors. They're the ones who spiritually climb the wall of their city to guard it, and to sound the alarm, should there be something that's coming against the city or the nation. These are not just prayers. Now you've got to understand, intercession and praying aren't exactly the same thing. Now they're bo- they both involve praying, no doubt about it. But you can pray and simply be lifting up need. Simply lifting up prayer requests. Nothing wrong with that. Certainly needs to be done. But an intercessor, or what I would call A watchman is someone a little bit different. In Ezekiel 22, in fact, just follow along with me. Ezekiel 22, uh, verse 30. Listen to what Ezekiel says here. He says, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. This is a verse that Ezekiel gives us about the intercessors, the watchmen. These would be the ones that we would call gap standers. They are the ones that would stand in in, in a gap. They would make a wall, stand in the gap on behalf of the Lord, and, and begin to see and begin to perceive. And begin to intercede and to begin to pray and begin to discern and begin to do the things spiritually that needed to be done in order that nothing nothing bad would befall the city or or, or would befall the people of God. And unfortunately, the watchman ministry has become about as overlooked in the 21st century as it was when Isaiah wrote about it in the 9th century. And to be candid, we have been invaded as a nation. And God is looking once again for watchmen. And he's found none. Where are the watchmen? Now I want to give you a job description of a New Testament watchman. Just, just, if you have a pencil with you, just kind of note these things. Let the Holy Spirit begin to talk to you right now. I mentioned briefly what they do, but I want to expand just a little bit in explaining the job description. Number one... The watchmen would watch for developments in the earth and in the spirit realm. They would see with their discernment what was going on and who or what was behind it. In other words, they had the ability to begin to, to catch developing things before they overran people. They had the ability to see the armies, perhaps, gathering on the distant mountain ranges. They had the ability to see things because they just had a vantage point. And and a New Testament watchman would also have the ability in the Spirit to begin to to see what was going on, and and that's a part of their job. Secondly, they were alert to the voice of God. If God was speaking, they would oftentimes hear it first and begin to declare it. So they oftentimes were alert to the voice of the Lord. Number three, the watchmen were vigilant before the throne of God. They would not keep silent. They were relentless in their intercession before the throne of God. In other words, they just didn't wear out. There was something in them that just kept praying and praying and believing and interceding. And they were just relentless. They wouldn't rest. In fact, Isaiah said of the watchman that they were to give him no rest. Give God no rest. Isn't that that really kind of an interesting passage when you think about it? Isaiah is saying to people, he's saying, wear God out. Just wear him out. Give him no rest until, it says, his purposes are established. Do you understand that we're not just a prayer... And I understand where people are and faith... And I've heard this taught all sorts of ways and there's elements of truth in everything because I've heard even that, you know, you're to pray about things once and if you have faith, you just don't have to pray about it anymore because you have faith. Now, I understand there is a place to stand in faith and after a while you can begin to pray yourself back into doubt. So I, I get that. But I want you to know in the Bible that there comes a moment that when you don't see the purposes of God coming to pass, you can wear Him out. That's why the Bible says that we're to ask and keep on asking, to knock and keep on knocking, to seek and keep on seeking. That's why you have the parable of the lady who kept going to the judge until she wore the judge out. And the judge just said, give her what she wants. You say, really? That's kind of how it works with the Lord? I think sometimes it is. I think sometimes we live in such a presumption. That somehow, well, I prayed about it and God's just obligated. Well, I believe that God moves according to his word and he moves according to his covenant. But I also think there are times that God, God looks at us and he says, come on, where's your passion? Where's your diligence? Where's your persistence? Where's your endurance? Come on. He doesn't want just these soft, you know, lazy people. Man, we are warriors in the kingdom, man. We're to be lean, mean, praying machines. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. vigilant. Number four, they were enforcers of the purposes of God. What do I mean by that? I I, I mean that they knew God's plan. They knew his purpose. They knew exactly what it is that God desired to do. You know, there's some things that are not a mystery. I I believe that it's God's heart that Charleston be saved. I, I, I don't struggle with that concept. I believe it's God's heart. It's his preference that every person be healed and made whole. I don't struggle with that concept. You say, well, how come we don't see it all the time? Well, maybe it's because we aren't pressing his claims. Maybe it's because we aren't enforcing his purposes. The the watchmen were the ones that continue to press the promises of God into the atmosphere. They're the ones that that just keep it on their lips. They just keep it in their confession. They just keep it in their declaration. They They just keep enforcing the purposes of God. And then finally, number five, they would sound the alarm. They were the ones who would sound the alarm to say that the enemy has breached the wall. It was time to prepare yourself for battle. It was time to gather yourself for solemn assembly. It was time. It was time to to do certain things. They'd sound the alarm of the Lord. And you can, with some degree of ease, see that a watchman has an important role to play in the life of a community. Would that not make sense to you? Would it not make sense that if you lived in ancient Jerusalem or any city for that matter, and it was a walled city, that that the job of the watchman to walk the wall at night, the job of the watchman to peer into the darkness, the job of the watchman to begin to make sure everything was as it should be and safe. Can you not begin to see how important that would be if you lived in that city? I mean, I would think that's pretty easy. Hopefully you can also see quickly that without a watchman, things can go really bad really fast. In fact, Satan can move with freedom. He can move with absolute impunity. He, he, he can move in your midst without any resistance at all. And dare I say that in America and in our region, the enemy has moved with impunity because we have not had watchmen on the walls. I believe that to be true. Now, I believe the enemy can be driven back. I believe there's victory over the enemy. I believe that we can overcome him. I believe that there is no way he can ultimately win. But we got, we've got to get things in order again. It's happened in our region. It's happened in our nation. And I just think that God is calling back his church and, and some people in particular to again get on the wall and be the watchmen. So where are the watchmen? Open up your Bibles real quick to Isaiah 56. I'm going to, I don't normally make you scan the word maybe as much as I will this morning, but that's good for us, isn't it? To just kind of get our fingers nimble and scan the word a little bit, see what the Bible has to say about some things. Isaiah 56, I want you to turn to that chapter. Isaiah 56, I'm not going to read to you verses 1 through 8. I'm going I'm to tell you about it, but it's in front of your eyes, and so you can read it for yourself. But in verses 1 through 8, Isaiah 56, what we basically are seeing is a prophecy concerning the harvest of the Gentiles. He begins to declare that there's going to be salvation. Now, at the time, he's, remember, declaring this to Jewish people. He's declaring to them that Gentiles will be coming into the kingdom of God. It's it's an amazing word. It's stretching them as a people. And if we were to again understand this with our New Testament lenses, we can begin to see that what God is saying is that he wants to bring in the lost. He wants to bring in the harvest. He's going to bring in people that we don't think he'd bring in. And so there's this great harvest that's going to be taking place. And and I'll just say it again. There is a last day harvest. God is bringing in a last day harvest. And, and, and the prophecy in these eight verses is about God breaking the box of religion and beginning to bring in people of all nations. But then there's a problem. In the middle of this prophecy, there, there, there's this issue that occurs. It's the watchmen. The watchmen have abdicated their responsibilities. Now listen to what he says here in 56 verse 9. It says, all you beasts of the field come to devour. All you beasts in the forest. Now listen. Listen. His watchmen are blind. They are ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, l- loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs, which never have enough. And they are shepherds, who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain, from his own territory. Come, one says, I will bring wine and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. Now, that's what God is saying in that era as to the reason why there's difficulties and why this this great outpouring has not happened. And basically what he's saying here is that he is waiting... He is waiting for some word to come to pass. He is waiting for some promise to come to pass. He's waiting for some purposes to come to pass when his watchmen get their act together. The saddest part of today's culture is that the church is so spiritually shallow. I, I, I mean, I mean, we've just distilled church down to a little counseling session. Now I'm all for counseling. And God knows we need counsel in order to get our act together. I'm not saying that's not important. But but we've become just very, very shallow in the way we've looked at our Christianity. And I'm just telling you, God wants us to get some depth into our lives. He he wants us to understand his ways, understand his precepts, understand what he is doing. And it's the saddest thing of all in the era we are living in. And and I've decided I'm just going to declare it. We can't can't discern true shepherds. Not anymore, we can't. We can't discern true shepherds. Because what we say to ourselves is, well, I, I, they're a true shepherd if 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 they love me. Now listen to me. I'll just tell you for me, I love you. But what we've defined that today is, if they love me, they'll let me do what I want to do. See, it's the same way we've defined a good parent. See, I have a great mom and dad as long as they let me do what I want to do. I have... I have, I have I have great authority. They let me do anything I want to do. Well, no, that's not great authority. That actually may actually kill you one day. And, and, And the problem in our modern day church is the fact that we can't discern a true shepherd we think that it's just someone that smiles and always is encouraging us and just telling us every pleasant, wonderful, neat thing, and you just do what you want to do and go where you want to go, and God just loves you no matter what, and you just you can't do anything wrong. God's going to just keep loving you and loving you and loving you. And God says, He says, "My watchmen are blind." In other words, they, they they're ignorant. They don't have any insight. They don't have any revelation. It says that they have no bark. You know, I just got a new puppy. Some of you have met him. His name is Pugin. And uh, let me tell you something. I, I'm going to tell this story probably uh, in, in fuller form, but Pugin got into a massive problem a few days ago. And and uh, I'm here to tell you, we, th- we literally thought we lost him. It was that big of a problem. Now, praise God, you know, he, he anointed us to help the puppy. and uh, But I'm just here to tell you that when when... When he was in trouble, there was an alarm. There was a sound. I mean, I mean you know, dogs bark and, and they'll make noises and they'll yip. And some of you have animals. You know this to be true. But I tell you what, you hang around an animal long enough, there's a sound that can come out. And when you hear that sound, you say, that's not a normal sound. It's like, it's like with your kids, even babies. You know, babies cry and they get discontent. But there's a sound that can come from your children that you'll say to yourself, that's just not an ordinary sound. But he says, my watchmen have no bark. What it means is there's no sound to it. There's no, there's no distinguishing Resonance that's taking place. It's just it, it, it's just like a normal, everyday bark. They're greedy, it says. Self-consumed. Territorial. All about themselves. What they can get out of it. I, 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 you say, wow, Kevin, are you, are you really, Pastor, talking about shepherds? Yeah, it, it is time. It, it is time we talked about some of the things that need to happen. The Bible says that, that, that the anointing flows down through the head of Aaron to the bottom. I, I'm not saying that you can't get to God without me, but I'm just here to tell you that that if God can get to a shepherd, He can loose some things into the people that could be really great and powerful and cool. Yes, He can. Now, I, I understand you're responsible for your spiritual life. I understand that. We're Protestant here. I get it. But there are certain things that He has decided to lose through authority that can come to you, that can really, really help you. And if it's not there, it can shut you down. It says that they go out and they just get drunk. There's no fear of God anymore. They live just like the world. I'm t- Folks, I'm here to tell you, I want to be your friend, but I'm not here to be your drinking buddy. I want to be your friend, but a true friend will tell you, come on, you don't, you don't have to do that. You don't, you don't have to be a part of that scene. And, and what happens is, 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 is that they've entered into this thing. They're just relating to the people. We're just going to relate. I don't want to relate to the people. I want to relate to my Lord. And if I relate to my Lord and I can begin to mirror his attributes, he had no problem drawing people. Amen. I have the honor, I mean, I just will share this, many of you know that Pastor Larry Stockstill has uh, been so impacted by recent happenings in the ministry that that he has felt a call, really a commission from God to begin what he called the Remnant Movement. And the Remnant Movement is basically that the Lord spoke to him. He was on a plane. Actually, he was coming back from uh, trying to work through the issues with Ted Haggard in Colorado Springs, Colorado. He was one of the presbytery there. He was working through that. And as he was flying back, he tells the story that as he was sitting on the plane, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And he said it was one of the most intense, impactful moments that he had ever had with the Holy Spirit. I wish I could just play you his own testimony with regards to that. He said, but it was in that plane at 30,000 feet that the Holy Ghost grabbed a hold of him. And he said, I am getting ready to shake this nation. And it's going to start with the shepherds. The people say, you know, we, we know, the church needs revival. Let me tell you who needs revival. Pastors need revival. There are elders that need revival. There are deacons that need revival. And cell leaders that need revival. And all of God's leadership needs revival. In fact, I think at times they need it more than the sheep need it. There's a verse in Isaiah 21, that says this. It says it of the watchman. He, he's talking to the watchman and he says, watchman, what of the night? It's just a simple question. What of the night? You know what the darkness represents? The darkness represents all through the scripture. It represents the, 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 the encroachment of unrighteousness, the encroachment of sin, the encroachment of those things that grieve the heart of God, the things that alienate us from God. And he says, watchman, what of the night? Watchmen, what about the issues of our nation? Watchmen, what about the lack of righteousness? What about, what about people's just lack of fear of the Lord? Where are the watchmen? I decided I'm going to tell these stories. I was in a music store. It was some time ago now. And, and, and there were just a group of musicians sitting in there. And they were talking about, because they'd just been invited in order to be a part of a, of a worship team. And they were sitting there and they were talking out loud with me coming in there and they knew I was a pastor. And I just came in there and I was, I think, getting some strings or something. And as they were visiting with each other, they looked at each other and said, yeah, you know what? This Sunday we're supposed to be playing, but I tell you, we can't do what we did last Saturday night. Man, we were so blasted last Saturday night. We were so drunk and out of it that when we got to church on Sunday morning, it was, it was God that we could even get through the worship set. Where is the fear of God? There's no fear of the Lord anymore. It, it, there used to be a day that they would even respect me. And they, they may tell the story, but they sure wouldn't do it in front of me. That's not even that anymore. We just, we just booze it and sleep around and party. And, and isn't it great that Jesus is cool with it? I'm a watchman, I'm telling you. I don't think he's as cool with it as you think i don't think so i'm not going to stand before him on that day and test that one we have so bought into man pleasing we have so bought into i'm talking shepherds not just people but shepherds don't offend we can't offend anybody let me tell you if you just preach jesus words you'll offend just about everybody it don't take but about a few verses into the New Testament and you'll get somebody by the tail. This is the 21st century and I'm telling you, there are shepherds that are going to stand indicted in the courts of our God. Now I'm not talking about being hard. I'm talking about being faithful. This is about being faithful. It's not about being tough on you. It's about being Faithful. I'm sick of hearing people say, well, Christianity is so hard. And Pastor Baird, you know, he just has a little bit tougher word. No, it's not. I give you the word that it says in here. I really do. The Bible says, listen, this is how convoluted we have turned. We have people that would look at me and say, I am hard, but the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. I'm not hard, but you keep living that way, you're going to find out how hard life can really be. You really will. Because I guarantee you, the Bible's true, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but that thing will come and get you and snap at you in a heartbeat. It will, just wait. I'm telling about, about freedom and truth, and I can lay my head down at night clean as a whistle. I want that for you. The reason the church isn't powerful and it lacks moral authority is because we are still caught in two worlds. And it's time to burn the ships and get back to being watchmen. I want to link up with a watchman. I don't need a drinking buddy. I need a watchman. In fact, the Lord spoke to me years ago when he called me to the ministry. Tracy would verify this. And this was before I really had much revelation. In fact, the Lord told me. He said, I will make you as an Ezekiel in the midst of my people. And, and I thought for a long time, what was an Ezekiel? And Ezekiel was a prophet priest. You've heard me say this before. Prophet priest. He had, to, he had to more or less pastor in the midst of the people, but he had a prophetic word and a prophetic ministry in the midst of the people. But he was there with them. He didn't get to prophesy and then ride out of town on the white horse. But he had to hang tough with the people. A prophet priest. I often said that an Ezekiel ministry is one who has to live with what he says. So anything I say, I get to live with it. I'm aware of that. If I I irritate somebody, I don't get to leave town and never know about that. You're going to let me know, probably. So it makes me think about what's going to pop out of this mouth. But Ezekiel, Ezekiel was a watchman. I want to to read this to you just so you understand that this is what goes through in my spirit when um, I'm just considering what God has called me to do. In Ezekiel 3... Beginning with verse 16, listen to this. I just want you to hear this. I think this is important for us as a people, just to hear this. It says, Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way. To save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Now, how many of you feel called to the ministry? Oh yeah, ministry is easy if you're just telling everybody what they want to hear. Sure it is. If all, if all you're doing is facilitating and enabling them and just being able to smile and you get to wear the white hat and you just get to say all the pleasant things, oh, yeah, everybody wants to be in the ministry, but that's why nobody wants to be a watchman. I've never heard that before. That's right. Just keep coming here and I'll keep telling you things you've never heard before. <laughs> Verse 19, it says, Yet if you warn the wicked... And he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man... That the righteous should not sin and he does not sin. He shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. I'd say a watchman has a fairly significant job, wouldn't you? I read that and I'm just sorry. I read that and I feel an incredible responsibility before the Lord. It isn't a game. This isn't isn't just the hour of power when we're just trying to pump you up and encourage you and make you happy. I mean, we're talking about in this room this morning, get this, there are life and death issues. There are eternal issues that are at stake in the lives of men and women and probably some of the boys and girls that are with us here today. We're talking life and death issues. Well, how do you become a watchman? I mean, how does all this begin to work? I'm going to give you just a couple things and we're going to end this morning with this. Number one is we, we, we've got to get folks that sense a call or a burden. Some people are just called pure and simple to be a watchman. I personally believe that every shepherd and every leader has an inherent call and burden to it. I believe that's just a part. I, I cannot look at you as pastor and just simply say, well, I don't feel called to pray. I don't feel called to intercede. You know, that's just not my calling. That that just doesn't work that way. Now, I understand not everybody may just have a call or a burden to it because I believe some people are specifically called and burdened for it. I believe those that are shepherds and leaders, within that, it is inherent. But there are congregations. Let me just say this. I believe that there can be congregations whose culture... Now, that doesn't mean everybody. Again, I understand everybody has a uniqueness, so I want to be careful and precise how I say this. But I believe a congregation can have a culture and a dynamic that can make them a watchman church. Sure they can. Or watchman ministry. Doesn't mean that everybody don't have to have 100%. Because you're just never going to have 100% anything in in a local church. People are all over the map with regards to their journey and, and where they are in their spiritual walk. But the spirit of a watchman, I believe, can be on us as a people. So we've got to have a a call or a burden, we sense. Number two, there's got to be a desire. I was reading, just finding all the verses I could on watchmen. There has to be a desire to restore the good in the right ways. I believe that's a part of becoming a watchman. In Jeremiah 6, 16, this is what it says. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. And ask for the old paths where the good way is. And walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said... We will not walk in it. Also, I set watchmen over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. Now, I want to say this very, very carefully. I believe because we are a full gospel we, we, are, we are a Pentecostal type church because we believe in the present movings of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is alive and active in the earth and that his spirit is doing some incredibly great, even new things in the earth. But listen to me, here's what has happened because we become so convoluted in our current church culture that we think when we hear God is doing a new thing, that he's getting rid of some of the old things, which are foundations and pillars and important things within the life of the church. In other words, when God says that I will do a new thing, He's not getting rid of intercession. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now God will do all kinds of new things. I mean, I, I mean, we just created a new platform. I love it. I, I love all that happens in the enhancement. I, I love... You may not like it, you'll get used to it, okay? Just give it a few more weeks and it'll be normal to you, all right? It'll be tradition for you. But But... But listen to me. So I believe God can do all kinds of new things. I believe there's new expressions. I believe there's new understanding and insight and revelation. But our problem is we think new means get rid of the old. So suddenly we don't feel like we've got to fast anymore because that's just an old thing. We don't have to pray anymore. You know, they used to pray, those old timers, they used to pray. We don't have to do that anymore. No, I know you think we don't. That's why you've got to entertain everyone to death. And entertainment hasn't sprung anybody out of their bondage. Come on, we'll, if that were the case, I'll send you to Las Vegas and you can listen to an Elvis impersonator and get your freedom. Hallelujah. And the way my life's been going lately, I'll probably have somebody ask for the ticket. you hearing me? Come on now. I mean, there are the old paths that are just... That are just important within new context. We still must intercede. We still must pray. We still must fast. We still must read His Word. We still must meditate on what He has spoken to us. We still must walk in righteousness. God hasn't nude us out of righteousness. He hasn't nude us out of spiritual disciplines. I'm all for hopping, jumping, spinning, shouting. All the things we do. But we've got to be sure we're praying and seeking and believing and walking in faith and sacrificing. Amen. And all the things. Those, those aren't old ways we get rid of. Those are the good paths Amen. that we need to walk in. And then finally, number three, the clean heart principle. Before you can watch for a city, there must be a purity of motive. And to be candid, a submission to authority because that's the only way pride and arrogance are really dealt with. I think watchmen need to be healed and whole. I'll t- I tell you why I believe that. I started to just think about this. Because if not, what we become is self-righteous. Yeah. A watchman can easily become self-righteous. <laughs> oh, look, at look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Aren't you glad I'm not that? Yeah, we're glad you're not that. You may be something else, but you're not that. Sometimes, you know, if you're not healed and whole, you know, people, people get convoluted and they, you know, their speculation, they redefine as discernment. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so it's really important. And I feel like we've got a lot of the pieces together. I'm feeling really good. Really good about what we're doing as a ministry and a church. Because I really feel like we're getting some pieces put together in order to help people get healed and whole and well and back on target. And I believe if we're called to be a watchman church, and let me tell you, if you're a watchman church, you may not get on the front page of the Post and Courier, and you may not get on the front page of Charisma, and you you may not get to go to Christian television. You just may get in the footnotes, though. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? we've got to ask ourselves if we're ready to be footnote people. And a lot of people, they, they want to be used by God, but they're full of junk. They're full of their bitterness and their envies and their jealousies and their fears and their hurts and their wounds and their betrayals. And unless we get our lenses cleansed, you won't be able to see into the night clearly. You have heard me say before. And, 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 and I've repented from it, so to understand what I'm about ready to tell you, I've worked through. But you've heard me say before, there was a time when I would drive back into Charleston, South Carolina, and I hated it. Maybe it was because I was coming across the bridge over there on 526, and I was next to West Baco paper plan. And... <laughs> now, it was a little deeper than that. I hated it. You know, and, and people would look at me and say, you know, they'd hear where I'd live. I'd go to pastor's conferences or things like that. And they go, well, where are you from? I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. And every time, oh, Charles. Oh, it's such a beautiful city. Oh, it has so much history. Oh, they would just go on and on and on. And then they'd look and go, how fortunate are you? to be in Charleston, South Carolina, and I would just smile and go, I hate it. (laughs) This is what the Lord is speaking to me. Even, Even as I was scratching this out in my notes, listen to me. You can't watch for it until you love it. Now, I'm not talking that you love what it does. Are you hearing me? You don't love it because of what it's done. You love it like Jesus loved you. You love it like he looked at Jerusalem when he said, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. If only you would have known. If only you could have known. What it is that I wanted to do in you. And it said that he wept. As he looked at it. He loved it so much. The very city that would cheer him into town. And then jeer him as he walked his cross. And actually say, let his blood be on us. But crucify him. The very city that would kill our Lord. He looked at it and he loved it. And he said, if only you would know. And I'm just telling you, to be a watchman, this is, this is for me, maybe it's for some of you. You can't try to escape it. You've got to get to the point you can love it. Don't, not loving what it does, not loving how it's hurt you, not loving how, how the culture works, not loving the good old boy network. I, I, I understand, believe me, I've looked inside of enough closets to know what's inside the closet of Charleston, South Carolina. I understand. I don't approve of it and I don't like it, and God doesn't either, but he loves it. He loves the people. So much so that he wants to still redeem it. He still wants to bring it unto himself. He still wants to do something powerful. And I'm here to tell you, I do believe we are a door to this nation. God isn't looking, God isn't looking just for this. a a, a massive door he's just looking for a footnote people are you hearing me a footnote people who would say i want you i want you i want you lord no matter what how do we how do we end all this in isaiah 52 and i'm closing right now in isaiah 52 you know zion refers to the church but jerusalem refers to the city and you have heard me say this before that there are only three cities in the world that have the label on it, Holy City. Jerusalem is called the Holy City. The Vatican is called the Holy City. (laughs) And Charleston, South Carolina. (laughs) What's wrong with this picture? I always want to say that's just that's just an amazing. So whenever I see Jerusalem, I just naturally slip in the city that God's called me to. says here in verse 7, Isaiah 52, and we're done. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who proclaims peace. Who brings glad tidings of good things. Who proclaims salvation. Who says to Zion, you're Zion. You're the church. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your watchman shall lift up. Their voices, it's not just one voice, it's their voices. With their voices they shall sing together. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Now that didn't mean that at that particular moment he had actually brought the the tangible manifestation of redemption to it. But this is what he's saying. He's saying this. He's saying to the watchman, he's saying if you'll lift up your voice and if you'll begin to cry out and you'll begin to sing the greatness of your God and, and how He reigns and if you'll begin to sing, if you'll just begin to sing that it's all out for Him and His greatness, this is the prophetic promise. God will redeem Jerusalem. God will redeem our city." God will redeem our region. He will redeem the islands. He will move to West Ashley. He will go to Mount Pleasant. He will go to the north. Hey, God will even go to Monk's Corner. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine revival in Goose Creek? Can you imagine? Somerville, oh wait, well, what we're doing? Cottageville, Ridgeville, James Island. James Island, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, Walterboro. Can you imagine? Who'd have thought it? God would think it. If he finds a footnote people. A watchman people. Stand with me right now, and as you're standing, I want all those musicians and you singers can come too. I want, I want movement to happen, but I want everyone standing. Here's how we're going to end this morning. We're, going to, we're just going to practice. We're going to sing and intercede for just a few moments before I let you loose this morning. We're just going to practice Isaiah 52 and sing and intercede. Right now, would you just stand before the Lord? Would you close your eyes as we're just getting prepared here? Just close your eyes before the Lord. And can we just right now, can we ask the Lord... To begin to shine his spotlight on us. And let him put some light. And let's get cleansed right now as we're standing. Come on, ask the Lord to cleanse your motive. Ask the Lord to cleanse the secret sin. The sin that easily besets you. Come on, open up the closet doors. And let the Lord in that closet. Once and for all. And sweep it out. And clean it out. Come on, let's get a clean heart before us this morning. Because I believe God is calling us. To be a watchman ministry. uh, Let me tell you something. We better better cleanse it all out and we better embrace humility. Because this isn't an arrogant call. This isn't a haughty thing. This isn't that God is somehow, you know, we're we're somehow the spiritual sheriff of the area. Let me tell you, we better break that right now. We are the ones who are being called to see, to declare, and to pray. Because the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're divinely powerful. We aren't going to change a city by yelling at it. We're going to change a city by interceding for it. And by believing God for it. Hallelujah. Come on, let the Lord begin to cleanse you right now. Come on, let him cleanse your heart right now. Just say, Lord, I open up my life. I confess my sins before you. I confess my ulterior motives before you. I confess, Lord, the smallest of things before you, Lord, I want to be cleansed because you're looking for somebody to get into the footnotes of the history of this city. Lord, you're not looking for a big shot. You're looking for a footnote person. You're looking for a church, Lord, that can be a footnote church. That will do the work of the ministry, Lord, that will, that will see that will not remain silent, that will weary you with our intercession, that will stand and believe you for your promises until you make Charleston a praise in the earth. And Lord, should it be that we are not that generation, then we will hand the call to the next generation. But we will not stop until your purposes are established. And your kingdom comes, and your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Now here's what I want us to do right now. We're gonna we're gonna sing and just kind of get our our spirits up and rising again. And we're gonna intercede. I hope some of you will come and and you'll intercede at the wells of the church. So I just want you to, to gather in here. If you if you feel especially called to pray, I, I would hope you would be one of the first to come. I realize not everyone may come. You can stand right where you're at and you can intercede with us. And that's cool. Just like in worship. That's that's okay. But I want some of you to come and fill in the wells of the church and begin to be, be the watchman. Get the spirit of a watchman. You may not be called to the ministry. You may not be called to be a shepherd. You may not have a, an official, you know, professional clergy call on you and, and, and so be it. But you can get the spirit of a watchman on you. I'm going to pray that this church gets the spirit. That that gets in our culture. That we become become discerners and that we become prayers. And, And we've got to conclude this series because it's the last Sunday of March. But we don't conclude. We don't conclude the call. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Begin to bless the Lord now. We're going to begin to worship Him. Begin to bless the Lord. Come on, just bless the Lord yes we bless you lord we begin to declare your awesomeness how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news announcing peace
1: It's just the way it is.
0: Come on, let's make this a part of your intercession. Sing. You are
1: God alone from From before before time time began. You You are on the throne. You are God alone. And right now. That's just the way
0: Now, if I got my directions right, in about that direction, in the in the peninsula downtown, about that direction, is that about right? Come on, somebody who's got a sense of direction. Got Sam Rivers somewhere in there? Come on, now face that direction right now come on right now come on right now begin to intercede you got to love where you are come on you, some of you want to move from this place you know what if God opens the door so be it but I'm telling you right now He's made He's made His will plain and I'm telling you from my life there's been so many times I just wanted out I'm telling you that door is closing and we're going to love what He's called us to do Come on, begin to intercede. Lord, we cry out over our city. We declare, God, You reign. You reign. over you guys i appreciate your zeal though aren't you glad for musicians that are getting a zeal come on let me prophesy you guys are going to begin to play you're playing over the city you got to get a vision for that right now you're beginning to play over the city listen i jesus spoke to a city he spoke to jerusalem and we're going to speak to a city right now you you who have escaped every awakening you who have escaped every move of God you who have run out the prophets you who have thrown them in jail you who have hidden your unrighteousness you, you who have said no to the movings of the spirit I declare over you that God's love for you is relentless. God's plan over you is relentless. I declare and I give you, Lord, no rest until you make this Jerusalem, until you make Charleston a praise in the earth. Lord, we break every dark power in the name of Jesus that has tried to bury itself Lord, we break the spirit of religion. We break the spirit of perversion. We break that that addicting, defiling spirit of alcoholism and, and drugs in the name of Jesus. We break you, spirit of lust, Lust for power, lust for money. You who would do injustice even to the people of God. I declare over you, God's love for you is relentless. You shall not escape. But you shall be brought in. I declare that streams of people shall come to the house of our God. I declare that Zion shall arise in this area, that the church shall arise in this area with an anointing in its its mouth, a word in its lips to declare freedom to the captives, to declare liberty to the bound, to let the blind receive their sight, to let healing flow through its streets, to let the acceptable year of the Lord begin to manifest itself. Lord, the time has come. The time is now. Today is the day. Now is the time that salvation will come to our region. And Lord, we intercede with all fervency and with all diligence. Come on. I, I want to be a gap-stander. Somebody's got to stand in the gap. Lord, we just commit to you as best as we know how, Lord, to stand in some gaps. To declare the whole counsel of our God. To receive the joy that comes from serving our God. Lord, this is not hard. This is not burdensome. This, this is our reason for existence. And we joyfully lay hold today of what it is you've asked. Lord, I pray now that you would, you would release the spirit of intercession in this church. That Lord, whether we, we call a specific defined meeting or whether we're just living it out day by day that lord we would be each one intercessors prayers that we would we would knock on the door of heaven that we would not allow this feature lord to somehow evaporate out of our culture but that we would not say what shall we do but we would begin to say have we prayed have we prayed have we prayed hallelujah and Lord we just declare right now lift your hands one more time just lift them up one more time let's lift holy hands up and Lord we just lift our hands up right now and we just begin to say Charleston you shall be saved Charleston you shall see the awesomeness of our God Charleston you will see the power of our God begin to be unleashed in your midst not for your destruction but for your blessing and for your benefit it is not the heart of God to destroy you, it is the heart of God to redeem you, to save you and let the voice of the Lord go back through His watchmen and His intercessors and His prayers and His church let the voice of the Lord go through us all as we say come come In the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Come on. Unshakable,
1: unshakable, unstoppable. That's what you.